We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. We know that Lamar Jackson has been nothing short of just all-out dominant against NFC teams through his NFL career to date. So dominant, though, that Bobby, perhaps he just doesn't want to jinx it. This is so good. Number eight was asked about his 17-1, and one, count them, 17-1 career record against NFC opponents. And before the reporter could even finish his question, Sarah, Lamar playfully interrupted him, which made for one hilarious exchange. He cut off two reporters. Count them two. It's, this is a fun little clip. All right. I'm Sarah Ellison alongside my partner and co-host Bobby Trossett. It is Thursday, November 2nd, and this is your morning Ravens update from Inside the Ball. So partner Ravens safety Marcus Williams, he spoke with reporters for the first time since his pectoral injury. We're also going to have a full practice report from Wednesday for you. Plus, we're going to clean up a few things that were left unsaid as it pertains to the Ravens during that wild news cycle on the trade deadline day. Yeah, we have all that more coming up. So thanks for waking up with the Morning Vault where you get the most important Ravens news and our opinions in about 30 minutes. Like we said, let's just cut right to it because it was this clip from Lamar Jackson's Wednesday press conference where he had a couple different reporters talking about the 17-1 record against NFC opponents. And let me tell you, this is an unbelievable record. And we talked about it recently because they've played some NFC opponents in recent weeks. Like, the excuse of NFC teams being able to say, oh, it was our first time. Like, that is coming on. That's no longer a thing. He's playing these teams multiple times. Matter of fact, what's funny about the Seattles of the world, the Arizonas of the world, if I'm not mistaken, he played those teams his MVP year. And and so it's the second time through for a lot of these NFC opponents. And I just thought that this exchange was so good. It was Lamar at his best. It's playful. It's funny. It's just downright entertaining. Here's number eight at the podium from Wednesday. Lamar, I think you're up to now 17-1 and one against NFC teams. Is there any way to explain that? <laughs> <laughs> Bro, <laughs> playing football, it's not about NFC or AFC. I'm trying to win regardless. I don't even want to put that in my head or let you finish that question. <laughs> we good. <laughs> we good. I think it was more about the fact that maybe no, <laughs> no, don't try to be, don't try to take his question. Well, I mean, <laughs> <laughs> we good. Do you feel like you have an advantage on teams that have not seen you before? No, nah, no. Uh, 
No. <laughs> I'm going to go in there prepared just like any other team, um, AFC team as well, you know. Um, hopefully it keep, it keep the score keep going up, you know, 17-1. Hope it's 18-1 after this one. I'll see that. I don't get it, Sarah. Why, why do people think this is the first time he's seeing these teams? I don't know. I mean, we talked about it after the Lions game, and um, who was it? Uh, the guy from from Fox. I didn't have, kept calling Cowherd. Was like, this is just the way it is when you haven't seen him. I mean, NFC teams definitely see him less. But what's hilarious to me is, first of all, nobody interrupts somebody else as smoothly as Lamar does in a charming kind of lovable way. Number one. Number two. That is the epitome of people in sports, players, coaches, fans who are just superstitious. Like as if there's like a real impact on the game if you acknowledge stats, you know what I mean? Or excel. I am not superstitious in the least bit. I know other people are, so I try not to like freak people out too much, but it just like the way it's like in his head and he's going back and forth and hit, he just, he can't even hear it. Like even having it out there means that he may not, be able to finish it. But yeah, ask him the NFC record stuff after all the NFC teams are done. So we still got Seattle coming up, still got 49ers down the way. So somebody who's as superstitious as Lamar, don't bring it up again until after Christmas. Oh, goodness. You know, speaking of his aforementioned MVP season back in 2019, former Ravens running back who was in his backfield that season, Mark Ingram, Hopped on the 33rd team with Trey Wingo and, and Chase Daniel. I think it was within the last couple of days or so. And remember, Mark has yet to officially retire from the NFL, Sarah. So he's still out there. I mean, he is working for Fox on Saturdays. Big, big game kickoff, I think is what they call it. Studio pregame shows and postgame shows. And, and he's, as we all th thought he might be, he's perfect for television. Yeah. That's just how it is. Like he's such a great, vibrant, dynamic personality. But he, he was asked about Lamar by Trey Wingo, essentially, what are you seeing this year compared to what you saw for those two years, including his MVP year in 2019? Because remember, he was in Baltimore from 19 and the pandemic season in 2020. Here's what he had to say. I don't think anything's different other than them taking the leash off of him a little bit, expanding okay. the offense, giving him, more, um, giving him more control of the offense. The route concepts are a little bit more in-depth. Um, we're Greg Roman. He's a great offensive coordinator, but you you go back to like you know when he was in San Fran, it was Kaepernick, it was Frank Gore, it was it was uh, Vernon Davis, it was very running back and yeah. tight end center. And when I got to Baltimore, it was still kind of running back and tight end center, which Lamar did a good job of. But that's why you see a lot of the number one receivers weren't happy yes. there because yeah. the route concepts were kind of simple. Uh, they kind of you know kept it close to the vest. The, the, the it was very vanilla, you know, the route concepts. And now I think they're opening up the offense for him, um, giving him the keys to the offense a little bit more. And now you're seeing him be at the, as a pass, thrive as a passer, you know, thrive as a pocket passer. Obviously, he is elite with his legs and an elite ball carrier. He's not a quarterback scrambling. He's a, when he runs with the ball, he's an elite athlete like a, a punt returner or a runner or a wide receiver with the ball in their hands. But now you're seeing that the offense has opened up for him and he's being able to thrive in the passing game, which he has always been able to do. I was with Trey. I was with Chase. I was with Drew Brees. I've seen these guys make all the throws into the cover two, reading cover three. Like, you know what I mean? Reading uh, coverages and delivering all the passes deep out, post, deep ball, whatever, deep out, deep in. Like, 
over routes. I seen him make all these. I went to uh, Baltimore. Yeah. I saw him make all these throws in, in in my first training camp with him. I'm like, yo, what is everybody saying? Like this dude can't throw. You know what I mean? Because he can make all the throws. But I'm thinking that you're seeing an offense where he's comfortable. They're giving him more keys. They're making the route concepts a little bit more, um, you know, elaborate for him. And he's yeah. thriving it. So I'm happy for him. I'm outside the bank. Come see me. Yeah. Channeling that 2019 <laughs> press conference as as Lamar stood up to the podium and Mark made sure to welcome him. That was uh, what a ride. It's always great to hear from Mark, I thought, and just his perspective there on a number of levels when it comes to Lamar as a pocket passer. Of course, he's got a lot more around him now than he did in, in 2019 at the wide receiver position, but uh, that, that's a special dude right there. You would have thought he spent his entire career in Baltimore based on how Ravens fans look at him, but it was just two seasons, Sarah. <laughs> He is still Lamar's biggest hype man after those <laughs> yeah. two seasons, biggest cheerleader, whatever you want to call it. I think he hits the nail on the head, except partially not. The only thing I think is he's like, nothing's different, but, but then the, <laughs> after the, but there's a lot that's different, you know? Yeah. So you can sum it up. I think he sums it up well by saying they basically are unhandcuffing uh, Lamar Jackson. That's true. But when you, when you take off those handcuffs, there's a lot behind that. You know what I mean? So when he talks about the more elaborate um, pass concepts, uh, allowing him to make checks and make calls at the line of scrimmage, giving him more time at the line of scrimmage, I mean, those are all significant things. So it's like nothing really changed, but a lot. <laughs> you know what I mean? And uh, But to his point, I, I feel like every time, Mark's not the only one, when people would come to Baltimore – and you come with a certain idea like, oh, because Lamar doesn't throw a lot, it must mean he can't do it. And then like Mark Ingram, others would be like, wait a minute, he can throw, you know, like OBJ has talked about it. Zay's talked about it. All, all sorts of guys that have come through here have talked about it. And so it is, it just is so refreshing. It, it, it's I'm sure for Lamar, it's just so freeing that he can show off more of his wide ranging abilities. I think a lot of people within this fan base think that Dan Orlovsky's takes on Lamar are very refreshing. And he gave another one to Rich Eisen just within the last couple days or so in terms of what he's seen from Lamar through eight weeks of football. Specifically speaking to, I think what kind of sparked this was the Brian Baldinger clip that we shared with our audience earlier this week. Just a ridiculous flailing arms, kind of like, let me throw my leg up here so that I don't get spiked by my own guy, right? Because Ronnie was getting bull rushed and somehow find Mark Andrews pinpoint accuracy in the end zone. Here's Dan oh, just to Just to real quick before yeah. you do that, to interrupt you, Lamar was asked about that today. We didn't pull the clip because he downplayed it so much. They were like, yes. did you lift it up because, you know, Ronnie Stanley was right there? He's like, yeah, I, f <laughs> I felt it. And then, and yeah. then he's like, but I saw Mark open and I threw it and he caught it and da-da-da. Like he just boiled it down and like reduced it to like, you know, there's pressure in every play. There's yeah. somebody open. I throw it and he catches it. It's that simple. Like he just totally downplayed it. <laughs> of course he did. But Dan Orlovsky, sorry yeah. to interrupt you, no. will not downplay it. That's what I'm saying. Meanwhile, the rest of the NFL world, including Baldy, including these pundits, they're all like freaking out. And, and Dan was one of them. It's everything that a lot of people, I, no, I don't want to say a lot of people. It's everything some people believe that Lamar was mm -hmm. and a lot of people didn't. And it was just like, just get them the people, just get them the, the receivers that can actually do some of the things and just get them the, the, the offensive scheme that actually allow his 
I, I don't want to say it's like his premier talent because his athleticism is probably still his premier talent, but his throwing ability is so rare. His, he, the thing for me, Rich, is his arm is so loose. It sticks so loose that he can do anything with the ball. And you're watching that. I know Baldy put up that clip of him yeah. kind of one-legged the yeah. touchdown. And like it's, a kick throw. Oh, you're, you're, that was a kick throw. You're sitting there going, what? Yeah. Like, what? You know, how many guys can do that? So um, the precision has showed up in their pass game. The timing, he's trusting it. And again, that's something that you pair with. There, I think there's five teams in the AFC, Rich. Really, right now, I think it's Kansas City, Miami, who obviously we're we're calling, and then it's Jacksonville, it's Cincinnati, and it's Baltimore. Those are the five that you sit there and go, "All right, that's that's the cream of the crop." So yes, yeah, so as he said, uh, get him the play caller, check. Get him the scheme, check. But we're also still working on it, especially those screen plays. We got to work on those. Uh, I was thinking about trying to fit in a segment. We didn't have enough time, maybe another time, but yeah. you know, check getting a better, getting a better scheme weapons. They're here. The two that are producing the most Mark Andrews, which we knew he would Zay flowers, but we're still waiting for Bateman and OBJ to break out in this Ravens offense. Now you'll remember on Monday, Bobby, John Harbaugh raved about Bateman in his last game. And he's like, I'm telling you, he finally, you know, he feels confident. He's like, I think big things are going to come. So today, sir, did you want to say anything else about Orlovsky? No. Nope. Okay. So today he was asked about both Harbaugh and Lamar were talk were asked about getting Bateman more involved. Here's first what Harbs had to say. Yes, we do. We want to get everybody more involved. You know, I think that's kind of the, is the answer. Like, like you framed the question and, and uh, Rashad definitely, uh, you know, if he starts, he starts popping and making plays and catching run types of things that he does, that's going to be something that's just going to be a real problem for defenses. And you probably can go right down the line with every guy. And the more we can get those guys involved, it's not going to be every player every game. But the more we can get them showing up different games, I think it's going to, it's just going to make everybody better. All right, and then here's Lamar and Bateman. Lamar, the, the play that Rashad made on, on the first drive where he took Crazy the ball away. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, does that does that show what a talent he is and sort of the potential that he really does have? Absolutely. Um, and I believe what it was two two seasons ago, he he had a catch like that against Cleveland when Snoop threw him a, a go ball. He made another catch like that. So we know what being capable of. You know, he just need more opportunities. I believe. Bobby, I feel like Harbaugh took the words out of your mouth. You've been pre, you've been yelling from the mountaintops. Holy moly, if Bateman, you know, takes off, then it's going to be a key to unlocking this offense. And Harbaugh basically said it. It's going to be a problem. I really think that he's that one piece. I keep saying, like, he's the puzzle piece that can put this thing over the top, that can give them so so just so much more firepower in terms of what you have to take into account as an opposing defense. And I think Sunday in Arizona was the right step forward. Was it a ton of targets? Was it a ton of work? Did he show us a lot? No, but he showed us something. He showed us a sign of life. And for Rashad, who obviously is in year three, he's trying to he's trying to give us his full, you know, his first full season healthy, even though he didn't start the year healthy and he's been banged up a little bit here and there. I'm telling you, if, if he can get going, it's just that that another element that's at Lamar's disposal. And you saw it, right? You saw it with with that jet sweep type of type of motion deal there. You had it with just the inner dog taking that football away that Lamar was re referencing there. And so um, I think it bodes well for what's to come for Rashad. And I know you and I are going to be thrilled if that's the case, because again, we have been critical of a guy who's been talked about a lot. There's a lot of expectations when you talk about a former first round pick in this town, but uh, I hope that he's able to kind of ride the momentum coming off that win in Arizona.
So not only would that bring another dimension to the offense, but obviously the Ravens have yet to really get OBJ going consistently. He's obviously drawing, uh, at least in this last game, and probably beyond this, drawing a lot of penalties. So you get the yards. Uh, you don't get the touchdowns, but you get the yards. I mean, although it doesn't go on his stats to kind of show what he's doing. But Lamar was again asked, he's like, are you guys close? Are you and Odell close on connecting? And uh, Lamar said, oh, absolutely. They're just holding him. He goes, that's what they're doing. They're holding them. But I believe they got to because it's OBJ. He's going to catch the ball. So they have to do their best to keep him away from the ball but he's going to get on the scoreboard. I believe it's happening fast, close quote. So I want to say, though, as, as Lamar is saying, like he's a, we got to get Bateman more opportunities. This is going to happen with, with um, OBJ. I have said, and I, I, mostly, I feel like I said it after the game, I'm here for that. Be there for your receivers. Make sure you don't force it. And Lamar was clear today. He's like, I'm looking for him trying to get him involved, but I'm not going to force it. So he's aware of that. He knows that there's a balance between getting his guys involved versus yep. crossing that line and forcing it. And so hopefully they don't do that because then bad things, turnovers can happen or just, you know, losses of plays and all that kind of stuff. So he's aware of it, but he wants to get him involved. The injury picture from Wednesday is on deck, but first we wanted to shout out two of our OG patrons. These actually were not just our returning patrons. These were our first two patrons who ever signed up to support the show through Patreon. So shout out Patrick yeah. York and shout out Sarah Kendall. Thank you both for believing in what we're building here in Baltimore. And if you're interested in doing the same, visit patreon.com forward slash Ravens Vault podcast to learn more about what we're offering for you this month here inside the channel. Here is Wednesday's report, Kyle Barber, beat reporter. Ravens' absences in terms of practice, Gus Edwards, Odo Beckham Jr., Morgan Moses, Ronnie Stanley, Adafe Owe, and Rocky Asin. Maybe more notably or more importantly, the two guys that returned to practice, Marcus Williams. For the, We've actually heard from him. We'll cut to him in just a second here in the locker room for the first time since his pectoral setback. And Daryl Worley. Defensive back, special teamer, was activated off of IR, so his practice window begins. Here's Marcus Williams, courtesy of, I believe this is Jonas Schaefer, right, Sarah? Oh, hold, hold, yeah. Yes, courtesy of Jonas just a Just a small tweak. It was the first time he returned since his hamstring injury, because remember, he returned from Peck, then he got hurt, he hurt his hammy, and that's what's kept him out this this last time. So he's coming back from his hamstring injury. He's got injury. enough freaking designations. Yeah, he's, got a, he's got a lot. And real quick before you get to Williams, just to, just to kind of put these all in perspective, um, Beckham, Moses, and Owe all left Sunday's game and then came back. Yeah. So uh, also John Harbaugh, he also said, just watch throughout the week. You're going to know that none of these injuries are concerning. So I'm assuming that a lot of these guys are resting. Not maybe not all of them, but a lot of them are wisely taking a rest day off. And um, based off the way Harb said that, made me feel like they will be coming out, coming back later this this week. So sorry to interrupt you, but I love this Williams clip. Let's get yeah. to a, things to say about it. No, those are good follow up points too, because it's like you're getting to the point where the calendar just flipped. It's officially November now. You're on the second half side of the season for most teams. And so, like, the, the veterans need to be pushing it on Wednesdays? No. Like, yeah. definitely not. Especially guys who've already had injury histories like, well, like a Ronnie Stanley on that list. And, of course, Odell Beckham Jr., who lost all of last year to the ACL. 
Marcus Williams, courtesy of Jonas Schaefer, in the locker room Wednesday after practice. I feel great. I mean, uh, you know, stuff happens all the time, but we have good guys who come in and, you know, do, do a great job. You know, they're never on that off, so me going down is not a problem when we got guys like that in the locker room. What are those, Gino, just what have you got from the season? Uh, playing, playing amazing. He, he comes out, he comes to work every day, he's locked in, and he's hungry. You know, when when, when you got a guy who's hungry and want to go, go out there and ball, you know, he does that each and every week, and I'm, I'm just proud of all his progress and everything he's done this year, and I, I hope he continues that. How frustrating has the past two years been for you personally? Because not frustrated. Uh, okay, because I mean, you really never, I, unless I'm wrong, you really never had to deal with injuries before the yeah. last two years. It's what it is. I faced adversity my whole life, and I mean, I'm going to face adversity in the future. So, you know, I'm going to just keep keep pushing through. Are those both injuries where you're going to have to manage pain for a while? I'm going to just keep getting better. <laughs> How close do you, do you feel uh, you are to where you're going to I feel good. <laughs> Why do you love it? What oh makes you love gosh. it? I love it so much. You, you, you've brought up the fact that we've been critical of Bateman. I, I just want to be clear. I haven't been critical of his of his play per se because I I'm willing to be patient with the injuries that he's dealt. What I haven't liked is more of like even though it's easier said than done, letting things get him down, letting it frustrate you. OBJ had to catch himself. He was frustrated when he got injured. I think it was like the second week. And then when he came back, he's like, I had to catch myself. I can't be frustrated. Da, 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 da. So when Jamison Hensley asked Marcus Williams right there, who, <laughs> who also, by the way, is like, has certainly has the, the reason is certainly justified in being frustrated with how much he had to miss last year, how much he's had to miss so much this year. Homeboy is like working through everything, whether it's a broken wrist, a pectoral, a hamstring, whatever else it's going through. And he doesn't even let Jameson Hensley finish the question. How frustrating is it? Well, again, if he said, hey, it's pretty frustrating, totally understandable. But if you want to overcome adversity, you have to do what he said. He cuts off Hensley and says, not frustrated. Not frustrated because <laughs> you can't you can't live in that space in this world. This is the elite of elite athletes. If you show for one second that you're down, you're gonna get gobbled up. That's the that's the reality of this sport at this level. And so, like, not frustrated. Then somebody says, trying again to show compassion and empathy. Wonderful of the reporters to do that, but he doesn't want your pity. Okay. He's yeah, like, yeah. Hey, how much do you, how much is it to manage your pain? All he says, I'm going to keep getting better. Like that's where you have to live mentally in order to overcome a wrist injury, a pectoral injury, a hamstring injury, all of this. Like, and by the way, he's been paid. If, if he wa if he wanted to be like, you know what? It's not worth it anymore. Wouldn't fault him. I wouldn't fault him at all. But if you want to be great and you want to be a part of greatness, you have to have a great mentality. I wrote it down. Not frustrated. How, how about managing pain? I'm going to keep getting better. And again, if somebody else chose not or didn't go that way, totally understandable. Got you. But this is how you become a part of greatness. Not frustrated. Keep working. Let's go. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform 
with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Yeah, you got to one point in that that piece that went like over a minute, that snippet where it was just like, no, 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 no. Like, this is not, you know, boo-hoo. This is like, I'm trying to get back to contribute to this team. He gave love to Gino. He, he you know, the first half of that clip was all like him being very, you know, he expanded on his thoughts. But then yeah. you saw the second half of that clip. No, 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 no. Like this, this ain't like you said. No pity. Yeah. No, nobody's nobody's sitting around drowning in our sorrows over here. I'm trying to get yeah. back to contribute to this team and be the ball hawk that I've been when I'm healthy. When he's right. been healthy, he has been a ball hawk safety for this team that we haven't seen for a number of years in Baltimore. So, and he's saying that to your point. He's saying that. He's celebrating Gino yep. leading the league in interceptions, which could be him. You know what I mean? It could, but he doesn't let that stuff enter his mind. He's going to be happy for his teammate. He's going to celebrate his teammate, and he's going to overcome what's happening to him. And then he's going to join his great teammates and make it even better. And by the way, this is good. I mean, obviously the Ravens and McDonald are going to have to make some decisions once Williams returns because you got to keep Gino Stone on the field. You also got to keep Hamilton on the field. But just remember, uh, DeAndre um, Houston Carson. Houston Carson, thank you. I did everything I could not to say Hopkins after I said DeAndre. Thank you very much. <laughs> uh, he just got picked up off the practice squad um, by the Texans, I think. And uh, he, he, while Williams has been down, the Ravens have had to elevate him twice off the practice squad. So uh, now he's gone. He would have been out of practice squad elevation. So they do need the safety depth. I mean, this is going to be a good problem to have. What to have Hamilton, uh, Geno Stone, and Marcus Williams on the field. We just got to get Williams healthy. I got to take qu- the quick thirty seconds to tell you a really funny story that happened today at the gym. Are you okay, okay. with it? Okay. Yeah. At the gym, subscriber approaches us. Loyal, loyal guy's been with us from the jump. He says, "Hey, you know I love you guys so much." I said, "Yeah, yeah." Well, Uh-oh, yeah. But I, I feel a butt coming. <laughs> he goes, he goes. Can you please extend a message to Sarah for me? I go, oh no, what could this possibly be, right? And so I, you're red, <laughs> you're red right now. I love it. <laughs> he goes, he goes. I love how you guys mention when John Harbaugh gifts and awards the sphere the the to, f- from the tribe to the a lion spirit the lion spike the lion spike from yeah. and i'm going to say the tribe name in just a second 
because apparently we've been botching the pronunciation. Okay, so he came up and very kindly and politely said that it is Maasai, the Maasai, Maasai. tribe. Maasai. I don't know what we've been saying. I think I said Messiah or something. Maybe which is Maasai. Like- and so it's Maasai. And so we went Maasai. over it for a couple minutes. I went back and forth with him to ensure that I that mm-hmm. I had the correct pronunciation of it. And I promised him that I would uh, extend that to you. <laughs> Okay, I just got to think, like Massachusetts. So the mass is the is the uh, accented uh, part yep. of it. Massai. Okay, yep. watch me so, forget it next time we bring it up. <laughs> a very productive gym session, nonetheless. There we go. So, yeah. I like it. We appreciate. Yeah, we appreciate that. So let's get to just a few clean, kind of just some housekeeping, right? From, and I'll let you lead this conversation because there was some back and forth on Twitter. We shared Spencer Schultz reports back-to-back days as it, as it related to Derrick Henry, uh, the Titans running back, and then, of course, Josh Jacobs for the Raiders. So what did you specifically want to clean up from our live stream earlier this week? Yeah, well, first off, I pulled it, but we don't have time. Harbs was asked about whether there were possibilities. He was just asked Wednesday afternoon. He said, oh, yeah, there were possibilities. He said there only ended up being like four or five trades league-wide, and I bet there were hundreds of conversations. And he basically was saying, yeah, you know, we had we had opportunities, but they didn't come to fruition. So, mm-hmm. anyway, it's just hilarious because we did. We did the, the live um, trade deadline stuff, and we used Spencer Schultz, who had tweeted um, – just re- just recap it and then some some explanation sent. So he said that Josh Jacobs wants to be a Raven. The Raven the Raiders wanted a second round pick. Uh, the Ravens don't want to give a second round pick. So that's what he tweeted. Once we finished up our live stream, I was checking Twitter and it was like literally just came out when we were finishing. But somebody had said something to Jeff Zrebeck about it, and so Jeff said, "I don't spend time debunking reports." But that one was not accurate. They're, they weren't against trading a second rounder necessarily in the right situation. So Spencer, quote, retweeted that. And he said, compensation was me trying to fill in the blanks. But I know Jacob's camp had interest. It's like filling in the blanks. Like, so where did the second round pick come from? Mm-hmm. So he went on further to explain. He said, I was told... Price was second rounder and Ravens didn't do it. So that led me to Ravens didn't want to pay a second rounder. Could have been wrong there. Maybe it was a first, maybe it was a third. So, uh, so it sounds like he filled it in. It sounds like he was told that they wanted the second rounder. The trade never happened. So his conclusion was, okay, the Ravens didn't want to pay that. And so Jeff is saying, well, they weren't necessarily against the second rounder. So Spencer came under a lot of fire on Twitter, as you can imagine. Um, So he did want to like, this isn't one of those, like I've seen a lot of accounts like literally make stuff up to get people. That certainly isn't what Spencer was doing. It does sound like he was talking to somebody in Jacob's camp. Okay. So he went on and, and tweeted, quote, he wants to play with Lamar, close quote. Then another quote, he wants to be traded today. And another quote, he wants to come to Baltimore. He said, those are the exact texts that he got. And then a last one last tweet that I'll highlight. He said, Jacobs camp did everything they could to drum up interest. Jacobs has been vocal about his frustration in Las Vegas. Not sure Vegas ever really wanted to deal him. Not sure how deep Ravens and Raiders got. So 
I think this is probably a learning experience for Spencer. I mean, it does sound like he had some sort of source from inside the, the, the Josh Jacobs camp. Um, but, but when you are putting out what appears to be news, you have to be crazy careful about how you present what might be news. So, uh, he could have ended it that original one and say, you know, sounds like at one point they've asked for a second rounder. Don't know what happened from there. You know what I mean? So that might be one thing that he could have done, but you know, certainly he's not usually in the news breaking business. And I did get some people, um, reaching out to me about, you know, how I really only can rely on the paid reporters, like the beat reporters. And I was like, I just don't agree with that. Like, and I used you as an example, Bobby, I said, Bobby got the scoop. There couldn't have been a better source unless it was Lamar himself, but you got the scoop this summer of when Lamar was going to come to a voluntary camp. Right. And so you didn't have Twitter at the time. <laughs> you were still banned at the time. <laughs> so you reached out to me and your, your source was so solid uh, that I, I tweeted it on behalf of you for my account. And you were right. He came back from your source. It was solid. You're not like a quote unquote beat writer. You're not um, one of the paid guys. You're not in there every day, but in when we're doing this independent stuff, again, this is the new new media. We develop relationships. I mean, we have Roquan Smith on our on our show almost weekly, ten times. Like, and we're not the Baltimore Sun. We're not yeah. one hundred five seven. The you know what I mean? So I don't agree that we should just shut out anybody that's not like the Athletic or ESPN or the Baltimore Sun. I just don't agree with that. Now that being said, you know you have to build trust even more when you're not one of those people, when you don't have that organization backing you up. So, you know, Spencer's going to earn trust or hurt trust throughout time. And so I'm not going to like bury him on it, but obviously something that he'll have to learn. And by the way, one last thing, Raiders came out Wednesday morning. <laughs> Mark Davis fired both his head coach and his GM. Okay. That came out Wednesday morning. Josina Anderson, now I know she's just about as solid as they come. She says, she tweeted, interesting comment from a team that was still hoping to pry a playmaker from the Raiders on trade deadline day. Quote, this team tells her, explains why they ghosted us. Nobody responded yesterday. <laughs> so <laughs> obviously lots of Ravens fans were like, oh, I bet that was the Ravens. I bet that was, you know, Eric DaCosta trying to get Josh Jacobs. I don't know if it was. I mean, it could have been somebody trying to get Devontae Adams or any numbers of those guys. And then she later tweeted, she goes, I wonder if some of these players are going to ask for a release because they didn't get to be uh, traded and all that. So who knows? Maybe the Ravens were out there trying to get Jacobs. Maybe there was a conversation about a second rounder, but it all cut off because maybe they just stopped returning phone calls. Who knows? I have no clue, but I do think that Spencer's like a, like he, I think he's, he was, I think he's trying to get it right. I guess is what I'm saying. He's not trying to like fool anybody, but obviously, obviously a lesson learned and who knows what would have happened if these guys didn't get fired. I mean, I have no clue, but that is just, they got issues over there in Las Vegas. Along the lines of appreciating stability, which is what this organization has given this town and this fan base for 27 years and counting. So the Ravens have had three head coaches two general managers, as you know, Sarah, in, in 27 years, okay? The Raiders, in that same time period, they've had 15 head coaches and six general managers. So <laughs> it's just night and day.
it's a disaster out there right now. And you think about what the last few years have been like for the Raiders too. When you think about Henry Ruggs and his DUI, when you think about uh, there's just been so many different examples of tumultuous times in Vegas. What's going on here with Jeff's mentions as it uh, relates yes. to Chase? Yeah. So last thing on the tr on the trade updates is um, Jeff was asked about several things uh, concerning the trades, and then he said I would have been in on that young deal, and they, meaning the Ravens, and the Ravens were. So remember, Chase got dealt for a third rounder to the to the 49ers. Then. Jeff said, not sure why it didn't get done. I'm sure that's just going to pull people's hairs out, hair out more because it's like, oh, the Ravens were in on it. What the heck happened? Jeff doesn't know. Uh, he, he tweeted again. He said, I think uh, somebody had asked him, you know, well, do you think they just don't want to give it to the Ravens because they're even though, you know, they're, they're geographically close and maybe don't like each other. And Jeff says, I think that that may matter to some team slash owners. Others wouldn't give a dang. They're just trying to get the best offer. <laughs> Whether it mattered in this case, I haven't necessarily gotten that sense. It does seem notable that the Ravens and Washington have never made a trade involving a player, which I did not know that. I, I don't know if that's the reason why. I mean, would you rather give it to a conference rival? Yeah. I don't know, to the 49ers? Who knows? But it does <laughs> sound like, according to Jeff, that the Ravens um, – we're in on that young deal, at least talking, and he doesn't know why it didn't get done. So there's your trade updates. A couple more things here that are notable. The Falcons are, are going with Taylor Heineke, who was last with the Washington Commanders, and that's according to their head coach, Arthur Smith. So on from, their, you know, they're benching Desmond Ritter, who they thought was their franchise quarterback, and instead they're going to give Taylor, who's shown that he is very capable of being a starter in this league, they're going to give him a shot. The reason why I bring this up is because back in March, the day of or the week of Lamar Jackson being non-exclusively tagged by the Ravens, all these teams started coming out, as we know, Sarah, and, and made it clear that they weren't going to pursue Lamar. And one of those teams was Atlanta, who spoke with, or at least spoke through Diana Rossini at the time with ESPN. Then their owner, Arthur Blank, came out and, and was asked specifically why, why they didn't pursue Lamar. And he was quoted for saying the following, and this is just one, one piece of the quote. Looking at it objectively, there is some concern about whether or not he can play his style of game for dot, dot, dot. How long can that last? I'll tell you what, Sarah, I think it would have lasted more than eight weeks into the season, and that's how long <laughs> it took for them to make a change at quarterback. <laughs> Thank you for being idiots in Atlanta this summer. Appreciate it. Oh, goodness. The Ravens are favored by five and a half against the Seahawks. The line opened at four and a half, if you care about these things. And as Jamison Hensley tweeted out, Lamar is 19 and four. That's a winning percentage of 826 outright when favored by five or more points at home. He's thrown 34 touchdowns and 13 picks in those games. And just a little bit of love for a group that we probably don't talk about enough, but we see you, we hear you, we feel you. Look at these statistics. The we, love we love you. We love you. We love you. The Ravens defense is off to one of its best starts after eight games in franchise history, allowing 15.1 points uh, per game. That's the best since 06. 176.6 passing yards. Best since 05. 4.2 yards per play. Best since 99. As we all know, this category has been through the roof because it's been coming from all kinds of different dudes. Sacks, 31, and that is the best ever 
through an eight-game stretch to kick off a year, Sarah. So good. So good. Keep it going. Listen, Ravens are going to need a phenomenal defense to go deep. We know the offense needs to get consistency, but this is excellent stuff. When you're getting franchise history kind of numbers, that's great. All right, so I wanted to pull this. This is Jason from Over the Cap. He just puts together a graph of um, scoring efficiency. Uh, So it's both scoring efficiency on offense, but then scoring efficiency on not allowing things. And he's got this in four different quadrants. And if you're in the upper right-hand quadrant, that that means you have a good offense and good defense. So it looks, and the Ravens are indeed in the upper right-hand quadrant. Ravens look to be number one in defensive scoring efficiency. And it looks like they're about in the top 10 in offensive scoring efficiency. So nice place to be living. And we'll finish with a guy who's been living real, real well this year (laughs) through eight games, and that's Brandon Stevens, their cornerback who was a former running back in college. 348 coverage snaps he's logged, and that's without allowing a touchdown this season. So, yeah, PFF Ravens, he has been lock, lock step with his game this year and coming off another game with a pick, Sarah. This has been a great comeback story here, and he's also putting himself in, in the conversation for like, hey, we, <laughs> you got to keep me on the field. you got to use me in, in as many different roles, and it's especially – you know, they're in coverage where he's been very, very reliable this year. Absolutely. he uh, It's it's unreal. And, oh, I just keep thinking about this defensive back group when Marcus Williams comes back and he's healthy. And, I mean, you've got Rocky Asin and Darby, who played well when Humphrey was out, who haven't really been able to get on the field. I am in love with the depth in the defensive backfield. Awfully good problem to have. You guys are the best. This has been your Thursday morning vault in the books. We'll be back later this afternoon for a one-on-one conversation for our weekly preview. And this time, it's the Seattle Seahawks. So to get to know them, we're bringing in ESPN's Brady Henderson. So be on the lookout for that in the afternoon, perhaps from or your afternoon workout or your afternoon commute. So with that, for my co-host and partner, Sarah Ellison, I'm Bobby Trossett signing off. Please subscribe and like this video if you enjoyed the content. And we will talk to you later this afternoon. I'm Mark Chapman. Welcome to the Planet Premier League podcast. Each week, Cesc Fabregas, Nader Manua and myself talk all things Premier League. As a player, you don't have time to talk. No. You don't have time to make a plan. You just need to deal with wave after wave after wave. We watched Coach Carter and he said, oh, afterwards, the game's just about doing this for your teammates. And I remember looking around halfway through the film and half the squad was asleep. <laughs> Planet Premier League. Listen wherever you get your podcasts.